Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening or watching to this video podcast. This is England is Burning for March 7, 2021. Today is your Chelsea Women Weekly Feature. We have Rob Prattley back. He's the senior editor for CFCW Social. Welcome back, Rob. Hello, good to see you. Good to see you. How are you? I'm doing very well, Rob. You? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you. Not too bad at all. Excellent. It has been a good week for Chelsea, has it not? Uh, yeah, I think you could say that. It's certainly been a, I think certainly a lot of people would be very happy at the beginning of the week if you said we'd win both games and then come out with two clean sheets, albeit in very different circumstances. <laughs> Absolutely. Very, very different circumstances. The main topic, though, yeah, Chelsea, if y'all didn't know, Chelsea had a, a Women's Champions League match. They played at home against Atletico Madrid. Uh, it was 2-0. We're going to dig deeper into that. 2-0 uh, for Chelsea. Uh, first leg of the round of 16. And then today, uh, we will touch on it very briefly, though. Today, there is a 2-0 victory for the Blues against West Ham. Uh, at their quote home field uh, and we're going to touch a little bit about that but I want to talk Rob more about the Atletico Madrid first leg 2-0 uh, that was the most important of the matches and also I think the most interesting uh, what was your Rob what was your takeaway overall before we dig a little bit deeper about that match uh, I think probably it was more of a it was an example of why Chelsea can win the tournament this year, I think. It was the best evidence you've had so far as to why they can, because they came up against a very, you know, decent opposition and in very difficult circumstances, completely nullified them besides sort of two penalties, which are to an extent are a lottery and still created a numerous number of chances. I mean, they won 2-0, but in reality, I think you'd be disappointed that you weren't coming away with the tie over in all honesty. Mm -hmm. I think I, I tweeted out as I was uh, watching the replay and, and um, thank you YouTube, because that was the only way I was able to watch the replay of, the, of this match uh, a day after the fact. So I had, a, had an opportunity to really slow down, pay attention, uh, watch it slowly and slowly and let it sink in that I think that, and I tweeted out, I said, Rob, if, if, Chelsea won multiple trophies, and I'm talking like two, three, four trophies this mm -hmm. season, which is possible. I think yeah. this was the season, maybe a season-defining season moment. And the reason why is because of what I was kind of talking about in the, in the previous Chelsea feature about three things that Chelsea needed to work on. And they all got played out in this match. So let's dig deeper into this match a little bit further. So in the 13th minute, Ingle is sent off on a red. Rob, was it a red, in your opinion? Like, it's it's difficult. Like, multiple, there are multiple angles. Firstly, I'll say I never really like criticising referees. I think it's a difficult job, and it's important mm -hmm. to remember that, you know, they're doing it in the spur of the moment. There's also no benefit of replays, and even when there is the benefit of replays, that doesn't always help. However... I will say this is less an issue for me with the referee. The referee, according to the rules of the game, got it spot on. It's the rules of the game here that's an issue because the ludicrous situation is that Sophie Ingle could have completely chopped um, Rashabad down 
and just taken her completely out and been booked for it. But because it was a sort of a accidental, for one quote unquote accidental collision, and there wasn't an attempt to play the ball, and again, I put that, you know, in air quotes, it's a straight red card. Now, that to me is a really ridiculous situation because you can potentially have, you know, just chop down a player or potentially really seriously injure them, whereas a slight sort of, you know, tug on them or a knock on them is a red card. Now, did they go down easily? Did they fall over their own feet? I've seen angles where it says maybe yes, maybe no. But ultimately, I think it was clumsy. You know, I don't think Inga would have many complaints about it being foul. Um, whether it's a red card, that's an issue you take up with the rule book of the actual thing. The referee on the night got it spot on according to the rules, but the rules, I think, are wrong in this case. I think that was, uh, Rob, I think that was probably better than I could have ever put it, Rob. I, I agree with that. Uh, do I agree in principle that it was a red no not necessarily i agree that it was probably may have been a penalty i agree that um i agree that it, you know there, there if i were to look at it from the standpoint of is there a clear and obvious error by the referee no i don't think there is so but in principle i don't believe that it, it, it was deserved a straight red um i guess there might have been the argument that this was taking away a scoring opportunity um, I, I think that was probably it. And to be honest, you know, I would say that you, you know, you could probably make that argument because the way the could, um, you could probably make that sort of argument. But it's a, it's a contentious one. Certainly, I mean, I've seen yeah. that challenge done before, where it ended up being a booking, you know, yeah, and with, you know, and without the benefit of any type of video assisted review, um, so you know, the referee had to do it live and. You know, I, in, as you said, I, I looked at it in 15 angles. I, I watched it in slow motion. I replayed it on YouTube millions of times. And I was like, eh, well, by the rules, yeah, it's a red. Okay, spot on by the referee. But do I really think it's a red? No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> so, so describe, Rob, then what, and I think this was a master class stroke by Emma Hayes. Emma immediately made a tactical shift. What was the tactical shift? And was it as spot on as I think it was? So first, I'll say for the first sort of immediately afterwards, there wasn't so much a direct shift because I think mm-hmm. there was the penalty took place beforehand. And I think they let, the, you know, that play out. And that's, you know, the sensible mm-hmm. thing, because I think if that penalty had been scored, it may not have been the exact same shift. However, the shift that was taken sort of afterwards was um, Neem Charles was brought on off the bench. He was a terrifically talented young sort of fullback, can also play in the midfield. And uh, Mayor Mielda, who's sort of the normal fullback, was pushed into the centre-back role um, to fill in Sophie Ingalls' role. Millie Bright continued in her usual sort of centre-back role. And Chelsea effectively shuttled to playing almost a 4-4-1 in many ways with, um, again, Beth England unlucky to sort of be the sacrificial lamb in this case. But again, as you know, she was unhappy at coming off. But I, I want to see my striker be unhappy in that situation because, you know, Mm-hmm. You don't want any player to be happy to come off in that situation, but I think they understand the necessity of it. And ultimately, I think, you know, keeping Sam Kerr on, Sam Kerr's ability to run was the big sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you ended up with that. You had Leupold's and G sort of in the sitting midfield roles. And then on the left and right, you had Penilla Harder and um, Fran Kirby and sort of playing as wide players predominantly, but also tucking inside and rotating with Kerr. So you had sort of all three of them sort of fluidly sort of linking up and uh, you know I'll partly say it was a master stroke by Emma Hayes because it 100% was 
I think it also was a, you know, that red card was the worst thing that could happen to Atletico because, and again, the commentary touched on this, Atletico looked more dangerous when they were up against 11 men or 11 players mm-hmm. and had a chances, you know, Chelsea pushing up high as they like to do and leaving space in behind. After that point, they changed to a much more rigid, much more compact, two banks of four, and then Kerr sort of running the channels up front. And when Harder and Kirby had the chance to break, they can break. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were several, you know, the rest of the first half played out sort of, Chelsea had a couple of chances, I think, from set pieces. I believe there was one where Millie Bright got gone through even before, sort of, you know, earlier they'd had several chances where Hedwig Lindahl saved them, most notably Villa Harder, she tipped over the top. But Atletico looked a bit confused, and I think they were reluctant to do what they would have needed to do, which is put an extra attacking player on and sort of go three up front. Instead, they remained with sort of their four, their own sort of 4-4-2 stroke, 4-5-1. And because of that lack of that extra sort of body and impetus up there to really cause problems, it made it very, very hard, I think, from an Atletico perspective to really build any attacks up. Um, and ultimately, you know, there are some very good players at Atletico, like Ludmilla does, uh, like Ludmilla de Silva and also um, Dania Castellanos. But both of those were struggling to get on the ball because I think they, they planned to come and play a sort of very defensive game on the counter-attack. And ultimately, the red card meant that they had to come out. And I don't think they were, you know, planned for that. And I think, you know, if you had to criticise the manager in one way, you'd have to say that he didn't take advantage of the situation and he sort of was too, he was reactive rather, he was a passive rather than reactive to the situation. Yeah. And in, in, in hindsight, I, in hindsight, I was wondering, you know, was it so much that it was, you know, Emma Hayes did everything correct in terms of what to do with her squad down one start, you know, saying, okay, England's off. Let's kind of put on some, you know, let's do this. And then, you know, change shape, go to more of a counterattacking function. I, I, I keep talking about the idea that the best managers are the ones who do personnel management well and tactics well. And that's one mm-hmm. of those are the two areas that we talked about before in another, in another episode where we, where we talked about those were Emma Hayes' strengths. And then you, 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 the juxtaposition of Atletico plan A was to do what they did for the first 15, 20 minutes. And then they now were facing a situation. They were a, a person up and then they didn't, they didn't have a plan B to go against that, which in one sense to me is rather inexcusable, <laughs> you know, to just not know. I mean, they, they look like no one seemed to know what to do on Atletico's side when they were up one person which is incredible to me, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very difficult because, again, Atletico, like, I don't want to, I'm not going to pretend that Atletico are not a good side um, because, you know, ultimately they've knocked out other English clubs. But again, I'm sure Manchester City fans will happily tell you they don't have good memories of playing Atletico. Yes, but they don't. They, they feel like this season they're lacking that little something. And, you know, the other day sort of demonstrating that spark, that little bit of someone to grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And in reality, the people that were sort of doing that were the players for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, I've got to give a real credit out here. Um, Sam Kerr and Penel Harder are both wonderful, and Frank Kirby are all wonderful technical players. But the thing that puts them apart and puts them off 
the work rate, the absolutely incredible, like, you know, Sam Kerr ran her absolute socks off for sort of a good 80 odd sort of minutes after the red card and mm-hmm. was just absolutely brilliant. I mean, was running the channels of Harry and harassing Again, I'll move into the sort of second half. She broke through very early on and had a chance that she put into the side netting. Frustrating. I thought she should have been away from it. But the next chance she got a chance to get through, she this time took it a bit wider. The defender, really, really clumsy challenge, just, you know, ploughed her down. And then Mary Mielda stepped up. And those that listen to me on other podcasts and also on here will know I, you know, infuse all the time about fullbacks and think, you know, they're one of the most underrated things. But Marin's sheer ability from the spot is um, impervious, is brilliant. You know, absolutely. It was a really good low penalty. Credit to Hedvig Lindahl because she went the right way. Mm-hmm. And it was only it was more due to the fact that it was an excellent penalty was the reason why it wasn't saved. Not because it was bad goalkeeping, just because it was an excellent penalty. Low, hard, struck well, into the corner. And as soon as Chelsea sort of took that lead, they took control of the game. Mm-hmm. And after that point, Atletico sort of looked, they felt sort of cut, sort of stuck in a rut almost. They didn't know whether to attack. They didn't know whether to go forward. Again, Chelsea missed a couple of other sort of chances before they make it 2-0 a few minutes later. Again, sort of uh, harder linking up with Frank Kirby. Kirby just speeds away, um, sort of goes in past two, past one, past two. Looks like she's going to roll it into the corner. Instead, it comes back off the post, which um, clearly, again, aggravated her because the ball comes straight back out. Again, back out, comes out as far as, I think, Anderson. She recycles it back into... Panilla harder, harder with a great ball across, and Sam Kerr demonstrating her work and ability again nods it down to Kirby, and Kirby turns and shoots across goal. And this one, I think, you know, Edridge Lindahl would be disappointed with being beat, and it was one of those annoying sort of trickly shots that wasn't perfectly caught, but was sort of you know low and difficult to get down to. And if you get the wrong weight on it, you sort of end up pushing it into the net, as sort of happened. Um, and you know, suddenly you go from a situation where you're sort of nil nil and against ten players to two nil down against mm-hmm. 10 players and then that becomes even more difficult because you don't know whether you want to push and try and get the away goal mm-hmm. um because you know an away goal changes everything absolutely or if you then leave yourself on the counter-attack to be you know ripped to pieces because that's something chelsea can very easily do and even with 10 players mm-hmm. you know they can they demonstrate it very easily they can just rip people absolute shreds um so that was uh probably my sort of immediate um so the game uh, overall, I would say, I, I, I would sort of say, is one sort of final um, sort of thing that I think is interesting to look at is the mm-hmm. way that the way that Chelsea mentally approached the game. They didn't mm-hmm. change their sort of you know when they sometimes go down to ten, they panic and mm-hmm. sort of they stop doing the basic principles right and that's one of the big things was when Chelsea had it again Emma referenced it no post much interview you had Millie Bright sort of immediately gestured to everyone got everyone together sort of tapped her head and sort of said you know just think just do it calm do what we need to do and ultimately because they're a good side they know that even if they're you know they've got 10 of them there's still you know 10 world-class players there on the pitch and that's the sort of thing that you know will make We'll sort of put you forward and again, again. I think that you know that demonstrates exactly why there's the mentality there as well as the ability, and that's why they can go far this year in the competition. And 
you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier about the, you know, the previous episode that that um, that I had or the previous feature I had about Chelsea that I did on my own last week. So y'all, if you want to go check that out, check that out, because I focused on three areas that I thought Chelsea really needed to improve on if they were going to win three, two, three, four trophies this season. And one of those areas was was in clinical finishing. The other was in kind of was in that mentality that you just spoke about in the sense of being able to go to a plan B, being able to then fluidly if plan A does not work, and clearly plan A did not pan out, because when you get a red card on one player and you have to go to 10 and you switch for you know switch formation, you take England out. I mean, you have to now go to plan B. They went to they had the mentality to go to plan B, you know, with some really stunning flexibility, fluidity, and so forth, as if, oh, okay, this no big deal. I mean, it was just like, no big deal. We're going to just switch everything up, do what we need to do to finish this thing out. And yeah, that was the mentality piece of it that I was quite impressed with um, to, to see this game forward and doing what they needed to do to, to get not just one goal out of it, but to get two. Um, I mean, there was the, mo- the moment of brilliance for you know that second goal. Um, that you knew was coming. <laughs> you knew it was coming far away because I think, you know, um, Atletico was just stumbling over themselves. The other one I wanted to talk to you about, Rob, was about um, Ann Catherine Berger. Uh, you've touched on it a little bit in terms of the, you know, in terms of, but she saved two penalties, <laughs> got knocked in the head at least twice. Uh, talk, to, talk to us about her and how, you know, what you saw from her in this match. I mean, I've said before on here, and I make you know, I make no no qualms for saying it. Chelsea fell on their, they prefer, did the proverbial falling on their feet when they lost um, Hedvig Linda, mm-hmm. best goalkeeper in the women's game, and you know, arguably not, um, because they replaced her with the excellent AKB and Katrin Berger, and Berger, I think, in the last couple of years, has gone from being a very good goalkeeper in WSL. To being a very good goalkeeper in the world and in world football and there have been certain things okay there are still certain things that she does um struggle a little bit with mm-hmm. and that's you know that that's the thing there's every goal it's very rare you find a goalkeeper that is good at everything which is what you know separates the true elites of the elite mm-hmm. um from those that are very good goalkeepers but in this game sort of you know akb had very little to do but the two penalties, I'll go through sort of the first one from um, Dana Castellanos. Castellanos sort of shot it quite low, sort of quite hard and low to the right of the keeper and got down well and stopped it really well. And they've clearly been, you know, looking at how Castellanos took penalties because that's, sev- you know, she's put several in that style. But then the more impressive thing was that she was then straight up again to block the rebound again. In this case, there wasn't a rebound, but she was ready immediately to block it and it was cleared. And then from the resulting corner, I think she came and claimed the corner and was fouled and that gave them time to regroup and make the substitution. Then she didn't really have anything to do for the rest of the half right? because of the nature of sort of the way she just sort of played. There were a couple of times she had to come and sweep out and I think a couple of sort of longer passes she had to come out and collect and a few times she had to clear her lines, but not really anything, you know, out of the ordinary for a keeper. Then in the second half, it was pretty similar. They weren't really doing that aerial bombardment that you so often associate with teams when you're up against, sort of, you know, 10 players. You choose to go a bit more direct and a bit more long and try and, you know, really force the issue. And they weren't really doing that, Athleti, and I don't know whether that's just, you know, an issue with styles or a lack of plan B, as we sort of said. But 
in many ways, and sort of we she, she was shot herself in the foot because she was going for sort of a perfect performance mm-hmm. uh, up until that, especially considering there were ten, 10 players, and then uh, just randomly came out and took Ludmilla de Silva out when Ludmilla de Silva was going absolutely nowhere. I mean, she was going towards the corner flag, um, and I think going to struggle to keep it under control. But AKB came out and just took her out, and I thought, oh God, well, you know, two ones still not a bad. For, thing mm-hmm. all things considered but as soon as you get that one goal it gives them the confidence to maybe you know go forward and it gives them the edge of doubt and the second penalty save which is brilliant got down again uh, Van Dongel uh, Van Dongen sort of took the penalty and wasn't a bad penalty but it's not like a great it's not a great penalty like Mielders where it was down in the corner and well struck it was well struck but it wasn't anywhere near the corner and as soon as the keeper dives the right way they've got a good chance of stopping one mm-hmm. at that height but then the more impressive thing was the way she sprang back up and stopped mm-hmm. Aaron Cuthbert to clear it because she was so desperate to get it away. And I personally do feel at this point, I will say that with the concussion protocols, I think she probably should have come off because mm-hmm. she clearly was a little bit out of it. And you could see that in the sort of subsequent response. But, you know, I don't think I've seen it before. I don't remember any games I've seen a keeper save two penalties. Certainly not two penalties at different ends um, taken by different players in different positions. But, yeah, just terrific pair of saves. And, again, it meant that, you know, suddenly you went from being a 2-1 scoreline, quite a dangerous one to sort of take back, because if they get a goal at home, then suddenly they're going through, to a 2-0 scoreline, where if Chelsea score on Wednesday in Monza, then Atleti need four. And you right. can't see them scoring four based on the first leg, add to the fact that Chelsea hopefully will also knock them down to 10. Um, <laughs> although... Uh, touch word we do we do like going down to 10 in um the uwcl it's a common competition for us to get red cards in. right um the, i the, the thing that i had mentioned in the previous feature was that you know one of the things that that needed to be worked on was to lower the number of errors in the back and errors specifically that aaron katrenberger has had because she's one of the elite has one of the league's highest numbers of errors but then I saw this match and I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's why she's in the position she's in. And that's why she's one of the best. Mm. Because at the moment where she was needed the most, she completely stepped forward. Uh, and, you know, in a knockout stage, first leg, down the 10, having to save two penalties, save rebounds, get knocked in the head, probably did, probably should have come off. I actually expected her to uh, be taken off. She was not. But you know, it's like, yeah, at that moment, you know, and I think the first save, I think just put a charge in the whole team. Like, you know, I mean, you could see how it just galvanized everyone even further that no, we're not going to give up a goal here. Uh, We may not give up a goal at all. I mean, that's kind of like the energy that came out. You know, you just saw everyone just jumping around and screaming and everything else. And I was like, that was, you know, just energetic. I mean, 7,000 miles away, I felt it here. Uh, watching it 18 hours later, I felt it. So um, it was, you know, that was just a huge moment. And then to do it again on the other end, as you mentioned later on, um, because 2-1 is a whole different ball game, as you mentioned. So it was just incredible. And so I was like, well, okay, maybe y'all could take the, the the error here and there, but when it mattered in an important match, you know, she came through perfectly. Yeah, I, I have to I have to say there's a one of the things I and this is why I also part, partly don't like looking at errors for goalkeepers is that every goal 
give them sort of you, know, you have to give them an element of slack because a goalkeeper is the hardest position on the pitch in that regard. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you make a as soon as you make an error as a goalkeeper, it's almost always going to lead to a goal. If you're a midfielder and you make an error, then it doesn't, you know, it won't always. If you're a defender and you make an error, you've still got the keeper to bail you up. But if you're a keeper and you get it wrong, then, you know, there's nowhere to hide. So the fact that she has the highest number of those errors, I mean, it, it depends what you qualify as like an error. I mean, if you have, a, for instance, an example where the ball is sort of passed through and your defender should clear it, and it comes through to the striker, they shoot off the post, it hits the keeper in the face and goes in. It'll go down to an own goal off the keeper, but it's an error by the defender. But the own goal will go to the keeper. Right, Whereas right. you could have a situation, for instance, in the, the flip side, where if you have a keeper comes out and tries to claim a corner, gets it wrong, and the defender panics and lashes it into their own net, it goes down against the defender. But that's a combination of them both making the mm-hmm. error. Right, so I right. think, you know, it's always tough when you look at errors from a goalkeeper perspective. There are situations like that second penalty, like the one on Ludmilla de Silva, where it's just a complete error, and I'm not sure, you know, what AKB was just doing there, just a rush of blood to the head. But a lot of them, often I find it's sort of more of a... I'm trying to have the right word for it. Um, sort of a hard, sort of an easy way, sort of a lazy, easy way to label sort of things by the goalkeepers that aren't necessarily perfect. It's just labeling those errors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. And, and yeah, it's a tough position to be in. And ironically, uh, Berger's countryman Weiss uh, leads the leads the league in errors uh, as a goaltender. Um, and I lost my brain there i forget which team she plays for but but it's interesting the two german goaltenders are are at the top of that i that probably means nothing but it was just a weird quirk i think but so the next the second leg uh of this uh of this two-leg series here in the champions league is going to be played actually in italy um not in spain due to covid rules and, and regulations and so forth what do you expect out of this uh chelsea squad going into the second leg in all honesty, I expect them to probably try and get an early goal and kill it off as soon as possible. Okay. I think they'll have little interest in like having it drawn out. Mm-hmm. I think they will want to start on the front foot. I think they will play on the fact that um, Atleti are going to need to attack and going to need to change their mentality and use the space and play on the counter-attack because they've already demonstrated they can do that very, very well. And that is the facets. And then once they you know, get a couple of... Realistically, it will be more of a case of get a couple of goals, get the tie secured, and then after that, preserve energy because there's still such a busy sort of schedule upcoming in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I would agree because I mean, my philosophy when in a, in any site two-legged situation when, where there is a way goals, you just go ahead and get the first way goal, get it done, uh, get it early and, and then move on. That's pro- probably the best philosophy. That would be the philosophy I would use immediately is to, is to end it quickly um, and so forth. So, so that's on Wednesday. But today we also had a Chelsea also had a match today, um, you know, coming off a rather pretty intense win on Wednesday uh, against Atletico as against uh, the Lon- London Derby against West Ham and speak about early, you know, quick and early. So the, the, the score was the scoreline was two nil for Chelsea, but but. You know, Sam Kerr gets a goal within like seven minutes and puts it one nil. Was essentially the game over at that point? I didn't necessarily think you'd say game over because we all saw how happened in the Brighton match a few months. If you sort of that's true, <laughs> that's true. But, I'm sorry, I didn't want I didn't want to bring that up, Rob. I, I didn't want to bring up the Brighton match. Yeah. No, um, I, I think you know at the end of the day, 
Chelsea start quickly and start well. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they got that early goal, I think it meant that West Ham sort of went into a very defensive shape under Ollie Harder. As soon as that happened, it was more of a case of, right, let's not get absolutely walloped right. um, today because they've lost, you know, the last couple of games against Chelsea have been heavy sort of score lines and lost 6-0 in the cup recently. So it was more just a case of that. I think, you know, Chelsea were guilty of some poor finishing at times, but mainly came up against the fact that every goalkeeper decides that against Chelsea is the day they want to have their best performance in WSL. Um, I believe it was West Ham rotated today and put in, uh, they gave the goalkeeper, they uh, rotated their keeper um, today and gave a debut and gave a first start of the season to uh, Courtney Rosner. And uh, yeah, decided to produce a number of unbelievable world-class stops to deny Wrighton, deny Bright, deny Kerr, deny England. Mm-hmm. But you know, Chelsea got the one 0 lead and were comfortable with it. Again, I will have to I will give a um sort of shout out to Zakira Mushevich. She made her sort of Chelsea debut um uh, today, a young Swedish keeper, sort of signed from Rosen uh, Rosengard in the January window, um, came in today because AKB was although she passed the concussion tests, I think they wanted to give her a bit of a break, and that's sort of you know understandable. Um, they've got the ability to sort of do that, and ultimately West Ham were never gonna be that. Um, sort of offensive by the nature of who they are, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because of who they're playing against in the uh, sort of, you know, where their ambitions lie in WSL. Um, but yeah, I mean, Musovic did what she had to do very well, claimed a couple of crosses. There is one particular clip that's going around where she came out and completely obviously bodied the striker. She caught a sort mm-hmm. of ball and then sort of mowed the striker down, which, you know, is always a good way to do incredibly she's incredibly funny on twitter and also has a really good personal blog where she talks about a number of sort of socio-political issues including you know women's sport and uh in honor of it sort of being international women's day this week i would sort of like you know to call out people like her and Pinar harder and mag erickson that's such positive sort of voices but uh most of it you know because of um that that sort of went in at one nil at half time and then right after the second half you got the feeling chelsea sort of wanted to kill it very quickly and they took a very quick throw down the right hand side through neem charles um, played away Sam Kerr, Kerr sped away and just crossed it and there was Beth England at the back post for a simple header, a reverse of the first goal um, the England the England and uh, Kerr sort of combination up front working again and after that it was just sort of you know a bit of a procession, pre- preserving energy, controlling possession um, just you know getting the getting the game won really and it's one of those sort of matches where a tuna win is sort of you know okay you maybe would have expected a few more but Chelsea's goal difference doesn't really need that humongous boost that everyone is um, sort of, you know, that some people might like. And there will be other games where they get that. As I have to say, Courtney Brosnan played very, very well. And yeah, Chelsea were able to rotate. They were able to give sort of Kirby a bit of a break. to come on in the second half and instantly, you know, looked absolute quality. But were able to give uh, Harder and Kerr sort of a bit of time off. Were able to rest Melanie Leupold's for the entire game, which is a big one because she sort of, you know, was excellent again, I thought, on... Um, uh, Wednesday, I thought she played very, very well against Atletico. Um, and yeah, it's just sort of one of those matches. It does mean Chelsea have now set a new WSL record. They become the first ever side to go through five consecutive WSL away games without conceding. Um, across a sort of you know, a number of three, I think three different goalkeepers. So yeah, congratulations to them. Congratulations to Zakira for her first, um, 
sort of, you know, uh, her first clean sheet in the Blue family. And mm-hmm. yeah, generally just a very satisfactory result. Again, you were hoping Everton would hold on against Manchester City because that would have given Chelsea the buffer at the top. But ultimately, I think it's going to be a case where both of them are going to be nip and tuck until, you know, the final weeks of the season. And it's more just a case of, you know, if we keep winning our games and win all of them, then we will be champions. So, you know, if they win all their games, they will be champions. Mm-hmm. If there is, you know, if we draw against City, then we will be champions and win the rest of the game. So, you know, it's in our hands still. And there's a chance sort of to pick up the first bit of silverware in the next couple of weeks with the Conti Cup final. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's next Sunday. Um, yeah, next Sunday at two o'clock. And that's against Bristol City. So, you, you know, Chelsea will certainly fancy going and winning that and winning that, sort of, you know, make a bit of a statement and defending the trophy, a trophy they only won for the first time last year. And then you can start with sort of, again, it may be, it'll be a maximum of a treble uh, this summer because the FA Cup is going to spill into next year. Mm-hmm. Um, the right. Women's FA Cup, it is good to see that that is returning, though. It's good to see that they're making the provisions to get that back on the sort of going because it should be the showpiece and the spectacle event um, that it deserves to be. So, yeah, it was just a very, sort of, you know, a confident clinical, sort of, a sort of confident uh, clinical sort of 2-0 win where they got the game won. It wasn't, you know, I'm not going to say it was swashbuckling football. It wasn't the prettiest and best Chelsea have played all season, but it was sort of, you know, the sort of result that come the business end of the season, it's results like that you look back on and say, yes, that's why you win titles. Yeah, I mean, I call it the, the hold serve match. And, and what I mean by that is if you are you know, at the top of the table and you're in a close tight race at the top of the table and you just, and you're coming off a, a, a recent match, like, like Chelsea did, you just want to, you just want to hold serve and win. You don't care if you win one nil, two nil, whatever, you just want to get the three points, hold serve because everything is in your hands, as you just mentioned. And that's what it is for Chelsea right now. They win every game. They're, they're champions. They draw, they win every game and they draw against City, their champions. So, you know, it's in their hands. So you have to hold serve. And, you know, uh, ironically, the Chelsea match was starting an hour after the City match started. So, you know, people could see the results as it kind of as it was happening. Um, and I, I was being crazy and I was trying to watch two games at the same time, which is pretty nuts. But, uh, I even tweeted and tweeted it out. I mean, he had two screens. One was Chelsea and the other one was with city to see it out. Um, you know, I had even Arsenal uh, on at the same time, but um, it's just a hold serve. I mean, it wasn't the best match. I, and I didn't expect Chelsea to play an incredible match, you know, against West Ham on Sunday, I just wasn't expecting it. And, and it, but they won. And that's at the end, all that matters when it comes down to, you know, collecting trophies at the end of the day. No one's going to care that it was a two nothing match on a Sunday against West Ham. Um, so um, speaking of which though, um, so there's, I think the Conti cup final. Um, yeah. I have to look that up when that is next Sunday, um, next Sunday, it's next, next Sunday, Sunday, next Sunday at two thirty PM GMT. Got you. Got you. Just while, okay. we're, just while we're on here, actually, if um, there are any Chelsea fans uh, listening, the Chelsea a women's supporters group due to a lack of um, fans being able to attend this year are doing virtual tickets where um, you will get a virtual ticket designed by our wonderful um, CFCW social uh, designers, Ket and um, Jess, who are them- themselves sort of, you know, absolutely brilliant. And you'll also be entered into a raffle to win a shirt 
only company that do officially licensed and printed WSL shirts and, um, and style printing. We might even be able to see if we can get Conti Cup winner style printing um, mm-hmm. on it if it is a good result. Hopefully, fingers crossed, if there are any Bristol City fans as well listening along as well, and you're hoping for an upset next week. Because again, I don't like to count my chickens before they hatch. Um, but yeah, no, it's, all the money is going to two brilliant, um, two brilliant causes. If you just give me one moment, I will get the names of them because I have, again, I, I've been sort of supporting this quite prominently, and a number of the players have also come mm-hmm, out and supported have. it and tweeted about Absolutely. it. And again, we're very lucky. I would like to say that you know the club have been fantastic in supporting this. But proceeds are going to Plan UK, which is a sort of Plan International, which is a sort of child. Um, development sponsorship charity and then ditch the label which is a youth charity that's very close to millie bright's heart um that is uh, helps you overcome sort of issues in regards to bullying mental health identity and relationships um that's you know just been absolutely wonderful to see the support already we've already raised sort of you know a long way over the initial target there's eight days left and sort of you know anything that can be donated would be sort of massively massively appreciated Absolutely. And it's a wonderful cause. Uh, I'm probably going to get one of those virtual tickets myself. I'm always big on that these days, uh, especially if it is for a excellent cause, which it definitely is to y'all. Please consider doing that. Uh, Rob, is there, is there um, a website they should go to or, or where should someone if you go, go to? The, if you go to the Chelsea Women's Supporters Group at Chelsea Women SG on Twitter, it's currently their pinned tweet. And uh, we'll also be tweeting about it again on at CFCW Social tomorrow for International Women's Day. Absolutely great. Okay, so, okay. All right, excellent. So um, I'm going to have at least, uh, y'all, I'm going to try to have an actual um, feature, a special feature episode about the Conti Cup final. Uh, I'm working out some few details, y'all, to try to get something together uh, prior to uh, the Conti Cup final involving Bristol City and Chelsea coming up. Uh, so we've got to watch out on the Twitter feed and everything else for that. So, uh, but for today, we are going to also, close out. Rob, just ahead. before we close up, can I also say that on the at CSCW social, we'll be doing a lot of uh, countdown to the Conti Cup um, this week. We'll sort of have previews. We'll have a opposition preview as well. And we'll have the road to the final as well. So if you have missed any of the, games so far and you want to catch up and find out how we're going to have uh, video highlights available and we'll have the sort of preview articles there'll be a lot of stuff on the day as well so yeah we look forward to hopefully seeing as many of you there as possible absolutely wonderful rob rob thank you so much for your time uh thank you for joining us and thank you for giving us some wonderful information um out there about everything that uh, y'all are doing great stuff man great stuff yep. excellent and thank you very much for having me as usual so everyone, it is a Sunday in the ATL and, and uh, we, we at the ATL, we in Atlanta, we don't, we don't ever count any chickens before they hatch. There's a little thing called 34-3 that everyone in Atlanta knows that that's when we were counting chickens before they hatched, when we were up 34-3 in a Super Bowl. Y'all know what happened. So we don't count no chickens here. I mean, even if they hatch, we still don't count them anymore. Uh, Not in the ATL. So, but for today, England is burning, needs to close out for today. But tomorrow, big day, always a big day on Monday. Reaction Monday, we got Mark from the Barmy Army talking about Manchester United's win today. Uh, Important win headed into Friday against Arsenal. 
And also, we're going to have Emma from the Man City Women Fancast. She's going to be on on Monday giving a reaction to the very interestingly difficult 1-0 that they had against Everton. That will both land tomorrow, Tuesday. Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah. You know what? They did play today. <laughs> you know, and they did. It. They come out with a win as well. And so we're going to be talking probably with Josh again on Tuesday, hopefully. So today, England is burning. It's going to close for Sunday. Y'all remember the light is out there. Let the light hug you. Let the light be part of you. Let it be part of you all the time. Also, recognizing now this darkness, unfortunately, is out there. But do not let the darkness hug you at whatever you can. Let's make sure it don't. But if it does please reach out, get help, get support, take care of yourself, take care of each other. England is burning, is out for today. We will see you all tomorrow.